0: Welcome to the UTSC Drama Society Summer Reading Series. On this episode, we're going to hear an excerpt from William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Prior to this excerpt, we find ourselves in Messina, Italy, where Leonardo learns that Don Pedro will be coming into town with his army, including a highly decorated soldier named Claudio. Leonardo's niece, Beatrice, asks if Benedict has returned from the war as well, They once had a pretty intense relationship, but Beatrice has nothing nice to say about Benedict when asked. Don Pedro arrives with the army, including Claudio and Benedict. Benedict and Beatrice exchange harsh words for a moment, and Claudio finds himself falling in love with Leonato's daughter, Hero. Don Pedro agrees that Hero and Claudio would be well-matched, and Benedict declares he never wishes to marry. The three hatch a plot that Don Pedro will pretend to be Claudio at the masked ball later that night to try and get Hiro to fall for Claudio. Elsewhere, Leonato and his brother Antonio find out about the plot. Leonato is excited at the prospect of marrying his daughter off to Claudio and hopes everything goes well. Meanwhile, Don John is depressed, despite reconciling with Don Pedro, and plans with his friend Borachio to thwart Claudio's plans and ruin the wedding plot. This is much ado about nothing, by William Shakespeare.
1: Act two, scene one. Enter Leonardo, his brother, Hero, his daughter, and Beatrice, his niece, with Ursula and Margaret.
2: Was not Count Ja here at supper?
3: I saw him not. How tartly that gentleman looks. I never can see him, but I'm heartburned an hour after.
4: He's of a very melancholy disposition.
3: He were an excellent gentleman that were made just in the midway between him and Benedict. The one is too like an image and says nothing, and the other too like my lady's eldest son, ever more tattling.
2: Then half Señor Benedict's tongue in Count John's mouth, and half Count John's melancholy in Señor Benedict's face.
3: <laughs> With a good leg and a good foot, uncle, and money enough in his purse. Such a man would win any woman in the world if he could get her goodwill.
2: By my troth, niece, thou wilt never get thee a husband if thou be so shrewd of thy tongue.
3: In faith, she's too cursed. Too cursed is more than cursed. I shall lessen God's sending that way, for it is said, God sends a cursed cow short horns, but to a cow too cursed he sends none.
2: So... By being too cursed, God will send you no horns.
3: Just, if he send me no husband, for which blessing I am at him upon my knees every morning and evening. Lord, I cannot endure a husband with a beard on his face. I'd rather lie in the woolen.
2: You may light on a husband that hath no beard.
3: What should I do with him? Dress him in my apparel and make him my waiting gentlewoman? He that hath a beard is more than a youth, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. And he that is more than a youth is not for me, and he that is less than a man, I am not for him. Therefore I will even take sixpence in earnest for the beard-herd, and lead his apes into hell. Well then
2: go you into hell?
3: No, but to the gate, and there will the devil meet me like an old cuckold with horns on his head, and say, get you to heaven, Beatrice, get you to heaven, there's no place for you maids. So deliver I up my apes and away to St. Peter for the heavens. He shows me where the bachelors sit and there we live as merry as the day is long. Well, niece, I trust you will be ruled by your father. Yes, faith. It is my cousin's duty to make curtsy and say father as it please you. But yet for all that, cousin, let him be a handsome fellow or else make another curtsy and say father as it please me.
2: Well, niece, I hope to see you one day fit in with the husband.
3: Not till God make men of some other metal than earth. Would it not grieve a woman to be overmastered with a piece of valiant dust? To make an account of her life to a clod of wayward marl? No, uncle. All none. Adam's sons are my brethren, and truly I hold it a sin to match in my kindred.
2: Daughter, remember what I told you. If the prince do solicit you in that kind, you know your answer.
3: The fault will be in the music, cousin, if you not be wooed in good time. If the prince be too important, tell him there is measure in everything, and so dance out the answer. For hear me, hero, wooing, wedding, and repenting is as a Scotch jig, a measure, and a syncopace. The first suit is hot and hasty like a Scotch jig, and full as fantastical, the wedding mannerly modest as a measure, full of state and ancientry, and then comes repentance, and with his bad legs falls into the syncopace, faster and faster till he sink into his grave
2: cousin you apprehend passing shrewdly
3: i have a good eye uncle i can see a church by daylight
2: the revelers are entering brother make good room
3: leonardo and his brother step aside
1: enter with a drum prince pedro claudio and benedict senior antonio and balthazar all in masks with baruchio and Don
5: John. Lady, will you walk about with your friend?
4: So you walk softly and look sweetly and say nothing. I am yours for the walk, and especially when I walk away.
5: With me in your company?
4: I may say so when I please.
5: And when please you to say so?
4: When I like your favor, for God defend the loot should be like the case.
5: My visor is Philmon's roof, within the house's Jove.
4: Why, then, your visor should be touched.
5: Speak low if you speak
1: love. They move aside. Benedict and Margaret move forward.
6: Well, I would you did like me.
1: So would I, not for your own sake,
0: for I have many ill qualities.
6: Which is one?
0: I say my prayers aloud.
6: I love you the better. The hearers may cry amen.
0: God match me with a good dancer. Amen. And God keep him out of my sight when the dance is done.
1: Answer, clerk. No more words. The clerk is answered. They move aside. Ursula and Antonio move forward. I know you well enough. You are Signor Antonio. At a word. I am not. I know you by the waggling of your head. To tell you true, I counterfeit him. You could never do him so ill well unless you were the very man. Here's his dry hand up and down. You are he. You are he. Not a word. I am not. Come, come. Do you think I do not know you by your excellent wit? Can virtue hide itself? Go to mum. You are he. Graces will appear and there's an end. They move aside. Benedict and Beatrice
3: move forward. Will you not tell me who told you so?
6: No, you shall pardon me.
3: Nor will you not tell me who you are? Not now. That I was disdainful, and that I had my good wit out of the hundred merry tales. Well, this was Signor Benedict that said so. What's he? I am sure you know him well.
6: Not I, believe me.
3: Did he never make you laugh?
6: I pray you, what is he?
3: why, he is the prince's jester, a very dull fool. Only his gift is in devising impossible slanders. None but libertines delight in him, and the commendation is not in his wit, but in his villainy, for he both pleases men and angers them. And then they laugh at him and beat him. I'm sure he's in the fleet. I would he had boarded me.
6: When I know the gentleman, I'll tell him what you say.
3: Do, do. Do. He'll but break a comparison or two on me, which, poor adventure not marked or not laughed, at, strikes him into melancholy. And then there's a partridge wing saved, for the fool will eat no supper that night. Music for the dance. We must follow the leaders.
6: In every good thing.
3: Nay, if they lead into any will, I will leave them at the next turning. Dance, then exit. All
1: except Don John, Borossio, and Claudio.
4: Sure, my brother is amorous to Hero, and hath withdrawn her father to break with him about it. The ladies follow her, but with Visa remains.
7: And that is Claudio. I know him by his bearing.
4: Are you not, Signor
7: Benedict?
8: You know me well. I am he.
4: Signor, you are very near my brother in his love. He is enamored on Hero. I pray you dissuade him from her. She is no equal of his birth. You may do your part of an honest man in it.
8: How know you he loves her?
4: I heard him swear his affection.
7: So did I too, and he swore he would marry her tonight.
1: Come, let us to the banquet. They exit. Claudio remains.
8: Thus answer I in the name of Benedict, but hear these ill news with the ears of Claudio. Tis certain so, the prince woos for himself. Friendship is constant in all other things, save in the office and love affairs. Therefore, all hearts in love use their own tongues. Let every eye negotiate for itself, and trust no agent. For beauty is a witch, against whose charms faith melteth into blood. This is an accident of hourly proof, which I mistrusted not. Farewell, therefore, hero.
1: Enter
6: Benedict. Count Claudio?
8: Yea, the same.
6: Come, will you go with me? Whither? Even to the next willow, about your own business, county. What fashion will you wear the garland of? About your neck, like an usurer's chain, or under your arm, like a lieutenant's scarf? You must wear it one way, for the prince hath got your hero.
8: I wish him joy of her.
6: Why? That's spoken like an honest drover. So they sell bullocks. But did you think the prince would have served you thus? I pray you, leave me. Ho, oh, now you strike like the blind man. Twas the boy that stole your meat, and you'll beat the post. If it will not be, I'll leave you. Alas, poor hurt fowl, now will he creep into sedges. But that my lady Beatrice should know me and not know me. The prince is fool. Ha, it may be I go under that title because I am merry. Yea, but I am so apt to do myself wrong. I am not so reputed. It is the base, though bitter, disposition of Beatrice that puts the world into her person and so gives me out. Well, I'll be revenged as I may.
5: Enter the prince, hero, and Leonardo. Now, Signor, where's the count? Did you see him?
6: Troth, my lord, I have played the part of Lady Fame. I found him here as melancholy as Lodge's In a warren i told him and i think i told him true that your grace had got the goodwill of this this young lady and i offered him my company to a willow tree either to make him a garland as being forsaken or to bind him up as a rod as worthy to being whipped
5: to be whipped what's his fault
6: the flat transgression of a schoolboy who being overjoyed with finding the bird's nest shows it to his companion and steals it
5: Wilt thou make a trust a transgression? The transgression is in the stealer.
6: Yet had not been amiss the rod had been made, and the garland too, for the garland he might have worn himself, and the rod might have bestowed upon you, who, as I take it, have stolen his bird's nest.
5: I will but teach them to sing and restore them to the owner.
6: If their singing, answer your saying. By my faith you say honestly.
5: The lady Beatrice hath the quarrel to you. The gentleman that danced with her told her she is much wronged by you.
6: Oh, she misused me past the endurance of a block. An oak with one green leaf on it would have answered her. My very visor began to assume life and scold with her. She told me, not thinking I had been myself, that I was the prince's jester, that I was duller than a great thaw, huddling jest upon jest with such impossible conveyance upon me that i stood like a man at a mark with my whole army shooting at me she speaks poignards and every word stabs if her breath were as terrible as her terminations there would be no living near her she would infect to the north star i would not marry her though she were endowed with all that adam had left had left him before he transgressed she would have made hercules have turned spit yea And have cleft his club to make the fire too. Come not talk of her. You shall find her the infernal eight in good apparel. I would to God some scholar would conjure her. For certainly while she is here. A man may live as quiet in hell as in sanctuary. And people sin upon purpose. Because they would go thither. So indeed all disquiet horror and perturbation follows her.
1: Enter Claudio and Beatrice.
5: Look, here she comes.
6: Will your grace command me any service to the world's end? I will go on the slightest errand now to the antipodes that you can devise and send me on. I will fetch you a toothpicker now from the furthest inch of Asia, bring you the length of prester John's foot, fetch you hair off the great cham's beard. Do you have any impassage to the pygmies, rather than hold three words conference with this harpy? You have no employment for me.
5: None but to desire good company.
6: Oh, God, sir, here's a dish I love not. I cannot endure my lady's tongue.
3: Come, lady, come. You have lost the heart of Signor Benedict. Indeed, my lord. He lent it to me a while and I gave him use for it, a double heart for a single one. Mary, once before, he went out of me with false dice. Therefore, your grace, may well say I have lost it. You have put him down, lady, you have put him down. So I would, he should not. So I would not should he do me, my lord, lest I should prove the mother of fools. I have brought Count Claudio, whom you sent me to seek.
5: Why, how now, Count, wherefore are you sad?
3: Not
8: sad, my lord.
3: How then, sick?
8: Neither, my lord.
3: The count is neither sad nor sick nor merry nor well, but civil count, civil as an orange, and something of that jealous complexion.
5: Ay, Faith, lady, I think you're to be true. Though I'll be sworn, if he be so, his conceit is false. Here, Claudio, I've wooed in thy name, and fair hero is one. I've broke with your father, and his goodwill obtained. Name the day of marriage, and God give thee joy.
2: Count, take of me my daughter, and with her my fortunes. His grace hath made the match, and all grace say amen to it.
3: Speak, count, tis your cue.
8: Silence is the perfectest herald of joy. I were but little happy if I could say how much. Lady, as you are mine, I am yours. I give away myself for you, and dote upon the exchange.
3: Speak, cousin. Or if you cannot, stop his mouth with a kiss and let him not speak either. In faith,
5: lady, you have a merry heart.
3: Yea, my lord, I thank it, poor fool. It keeps on the windy side of care. My cousin tells him in his ear that he is in her heart.
8: And so she doth, cousin.
3: Good lord for alliance. Thus goes everyone to the world but I, and I am sunburnt. I may sit in the corner and cry, hi-ho for a husband. Lady Beatrice, I will get you one. I would rather have one of your fathers getting hath your grace ne'er a brother like you. Your father got excellent husbands. If a maid could come by them. Will you have me, lady? (laughs) No, my lord, unless I might have another for working days. Your grace is too costly to wear every day. But I beseech your grace, pardon me. I was born to speak all mirth and no matter.
5: Your silence most offends me, and to be merry best becomes you,
3: for out, O oh question, you were born in a merry hour. No, sure, my lord. My mother cried, but then there was a star danced, and under that I was born. Cousins, God give you joy.
2: Niece, for you look to those things I told you of.
3: <laughs> I cry you mercy, uncle. By your graces, pardon. Beatrice exits.
5: By my troth, a pleasant-spirited lady.
2: There's little of the melancholy element in her, my lord. She is never sad, but when she sleeps, and not ever sad then. For I have heard my daughter say she hath often dreamt of unhappiness, and waked herself with laughing.
5: She cannot endure to hear tell of a husband.
2: Oh, by no means. She mocks all of her wooers out of suit
5: you are an excellent wife for benedict
2: oh lord my lord if they were but a week married they would talk themselves mad
8: county
5: claudio when mean you to go to church
8: tomorrow my lord time goes on crutches till love have all his rights
2: not till monday my dear son which is hence a just seven night and a time too brief too to have all things answer in my mind
5: Come, you shake the head at so long a breathing, but I warn thee. Claudio, the time shall not go dully by us. I will in the interim undertake one of Hercules' labors, which is to bring Signor Benedict and the Lady Beatrice into a mountain of affection, the one with the other. I would fain have it a match, and I doubt not but to fashion it, if you three will but minister such assistance as I shall give you of direction.
2: My lord, I am for you, though it cost me ten nights' watchings. And I, my lord.
5: And you too, gentle hero?
4: I will do any modest office, my lord, to help my cousin to a good husband.
5: And Benedict is not the unhopefulest husband that I know. Thus far can I praise him. He is one of a noble strain, of approved valour, and confirmed honesty. I will teach you how to humour your cousin that she fall in love with Benedict, and I, with your two health, will so practise on Benedict, that in despite of his quick wit and queasy stomach, he shall fall in love with Beatrice. If we can do this, Cupid is no longer an archer. His glory shall be ours, for we are the only love gods. Go in with me, and I will tell you my drift. They exit. Enter
1: Don John and Bercuccio. It is so. The
4: Count Claudio shall marry the daughter of linato
1: Yea,
7: my lord, but I can cross it.
4: Any bar, any cross, any implement will be medicinable to me. I am sick and displeasure to him, and whatsoever comes athrought, his affection ranges evenly with mine. How canst thou cross this marriage?
7: Not honestly, my lord, but so covertly that no dishonesty shall appear in me.
4: Show me briefly how.
7: I think I told your lordship a year since how much I am in the favour of Margaret, the waiting gentlewoman to Hero. I remember. I can, at any unseasonable instant of the night, appoint her to look out at her lady's chamber window.
4: What life is in that to be the death of this marriage?
7: The poison of that lies in you to temper. Go, you, to the prince your brother. Spare not to tell him that he hath wronged his honour in marrying the renowned Claudio, whose estimation do you mightily hold up to a contaminated stale such a one as hero
4: what proof shall i make of that
7: proof enough to misuse the prince to vex claudio to undo hero and kill leonato look at you for any look you for any further issue
4: only to despite them i will endeavor anything
7: Go then, find me a meet hour to draw Don Pedro and the Count Claudio alone. Tell them that you know that hero loves me, and tend to kind of zeal both to the prince and Claudio, as in your love of brother's honour, who hath made this match, and his friend's reputation, who is thus like to be cozened with the semblance of a maid that you have discovered thus. They will scarcely believe this without trial. Offer them instances which shall bear no less likelihood than to see me at her chamber window. Hear me call Margaret Hero, hear Margaret term me Claudio, and bring them to see this very night before the intended wedding. For in the meantime, I will so fashion the matter that Hero shall be absent, and there shall appear such seeming truth of Hero's disloyalty, that jealousy shall be called assurance and all the preparation overthrown.
4: Throw this to what adverse issue it can I, can. I will put it in practice. Be cunning in the workingness, and thy fee is a thousand ducats.
7: Be you constant in the accusation, and my cunning shall not shame me.
4: I will presently go and learn
1: their day of marriage. They exit. Scene three. Enter Benedict alone. Boy. Enter boy.
6: Signor. In my chamber window lies a book. Bring it hither to me in the orchard. I am here already, sir. I know that, but I would have thee hence and here again.
1: Boy exits.
6: I do much wonder that one man, seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviors to love, will, after he hath laughed at such shallow follies in others, become the argument of his own scorn by falling in love. And such a man is Claudio, I have known when there was no music with him but the drum and the fife, and now had he rather hear the tabor and the pipe. I have known when he would have walked 10 miles a foot to see a good armor, and now will he lie 10 nights awake carving the fashion of a new doublet. He was wont to speak plain and to the purpose, like an honest man and a soldier, and now he has turned orthography. And words are a very fantastical banquet, just so many strange dishes. May I be so converted to see with these eyes? I cannot tell. I think not I will not be sworn by love may transform me into an oyster, but I'll take my oath on it till he have made such an oyster of me. I shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Another is wise, yet I am well another virtuous, yet I am well. But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace. Rich she shall be that's certain wise or all none, virtuous or I'll never cheapen her fair or I'll never look on her mild or come not near me, noble or not I for an angel of good discourse and excellent musician. Her hair shall be of what color it please God, ha, the prince. And, Monsieur Love, I will hide me in the arbor.
1: He hides. Enter Prince, Leonardo, Claudio, and Balthazar with
5: music. Come, shall we hear this music?
8: Yea, my good lord, how still the evening is, as hush on purpose to grace harmony.
5: See where Benedict hath hid himself.
8: Oh, very well, my lord. The music ended. We'll fit the kid fox with a pennyworth.
5: Come, Balthasar, we'll hear that song again. O
9: oh, good my lord, tax not so bad a voice to slander music any more than once.
5: It is the witness still of excellency. To put a strange face on his own perfection, I pray thee sing and let me woo no more.
9: Because you talk of wooing, I will sing. Since many a wooer doth commence his suit to her, he thinks not worthy, yet he woos, yet still he swears he loves.
5: Nay, pray thee come. Or if thou wilt hold longer argument, do it in notes.
9: Note this before my notes. There's not a note of mine that's worth the noting.
5: Why, these are very cautious that he speaks. Note notes for in nothing.
6: Music plays. Now, divine air, now is his soul ravished. It is not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies. Well a horn for my money when all's done.
1: Balthazar
9: sigh. sings. Sigh no more ladies, sigh no more. Men were deceivers ever, one foot in sea and one on shore, to one thing constant never. Then sigh not so, but let them go and be you blithe and bonny. Converting all your sounds of woe into hey nani nani. Sing no more ditties, sing no mo, of dumps so dull and heavy. The fraud of men was ever so, since summer first was levee. Then sigh not so, but let them go, and be you blithe and bonny, Converting all your sounds of woe into hey nani nani.
5: By my troth, a good song.
9: <laughs> and an ill singer, my
5: lord. Ah uh, no, no, faith thou singst well, enough for shift.
6: And he had been a dog that should have howled thus, They would have hanged him. And I pray God his bad voice bode no mischief. I had as leaf have heard the night raven, come what plague could have come after it.
5: Yea, merry dost thou hear, Balthasar. I pray thee get us some excellent music, for tomorrow night we would have it at the lady hero's chamber window.
9: The best I can, my lord.
5: Do so, farewell.
1: Balthasar exits.
5: Come hither, Leonardo. What was it you told me of today? that your niece Beatrice was in love with Signor Benedict?
8: Oh, I, Stuck on, stuck on, the foul sits. I did never think that lady would have loved any man.
2: No, nor I neither. The most wonderful that she should so dote on Signor Benedict, whom she hath in all outward behaviour seemed ever to abhor.
6: It's possible. Sits the wind in that corner.
2: By my troth, my lord, I cannot tell what to think of it but that she loves him with an enraged affection. It is past the infinite of thought.
5: Maybe she doth but counterfeit.
8: Faith, like enough.
2: Oh God, counterfeit? There was never counterfeit of passion came so near the life of passion as she discovers it. Why, what effects of passion shows she?
8: Bait the hook well, the fish will bite.
2: What effects, my lord? She will sit you. You heard my daughter tell you how.
8: She did indeed.
2: How, how, I pray you.
5: You amaze me. I would have thought her spirit had been invincible against all sorts of affection.
2: I would have sworn it had, my lord, especially against Benedict.
6: I should think this a gull, but that the white-bearded fellow speaks it, knavery cannot, sure... Hide himself in such reverence.
8: He hath taken the infection. Hold it up.
5: Has she made her affection known to Benedict?
2: No, and swears she never will. That's her torment.
8: Tis true indeed, so your daughter says. Shall I, she says, that have so often countered him with scorn, write him that I love him?
2: Say she now, when she is beginning to write to him, for she'll be up twenty times a night, and there will she sit in her smock till she have writ a sheet of paper. My daughter tells us all.
8: Now you talk of a sheet of paper. I remember a pretty jest of your daughter told us of.
2: Oh, when she had read it and was reading it over, she found Benedict and Beatrice between the sheets? That. Oh, she tore the letter into a thousand halfpence, railed at herself that she should be so immodest to write to one that she knew would flout her. I measure him, says she, by my own spirit, for I should flout him if he write to me. Yeah, though I love him, I should.
8: Then down upon her knees she falls, weeps, sobs, beats her heart, tears her hair, prays, curses. Oh, sweet Benedict, God give me patience.
2: She doth indeed. My daughter says so, and the ecstasy hath so much overborne her that my daughter is sometimes afeared she will do a desperate outreach to herself. It is very true.
5: It were good that Benedict knew of it by some other, if she will not discover it.
8: To what end? He would make but a sport of it and torment the poor lady worse.
5: And he should. It were an alms to hang him. She is an excellent, sweet lady, and out of all suspicion, she is virtuous.
8: And she is exceeding wise.
5: In everything but in loving Benedict.
2: Oh my lord, wisdom and blood commenting in so tender a body, we have ten proofs to one that blood hath the victory. I am sorry for her, as I have just cause, being her uncle and her guardian.
5: I wish she had bestowed this dotage on me. I would have daft all other respects and made her half myself. I pray you tell Benedict of it, and hear what he will say.
2: Were it good, thank you.
8: Hero thinks surely she will die, for she says she will die if he love her not, and she will die ere she make her love known, and she will die if he woo her, rather than she will bait one breath of her accustomed crossness.
5: She doth well. If she should make tender of her love, tis very possible he'll scorn it, for the man, as you know all, hath a contemptible spirit.
8: He is a very proper man.
5: He hath indeed a good outward happiness.
8: Before God and in my mind, very wise.
5: He doth indeed show some sparks that are like wit.
8: And I take him to be valiant.
5: As Hector, I assure you, and in managing of quarrels you may say he is wise, for either he avoids them with great discretion or undertakes them with most Christian-like fear.
2: If you do fear God, He must necessarily keep peace. If he break the peace, he ought to enter into a quarrel with fear and trembling. And so will he
5: do, for the man doth fear God. Howsoever it seems not in him by some large jest he will make. Well, I am sorry for your niece. Shall we go seek Benedict and tell him of her love?
8: Never tell him, my lord. Let her wear it out with good counsel.
2: Nay, that's impossible. She may wear her heart out first. Well, we
5: will hear further of it by your daughter. Let it cool the while. I love Benedict well, and I could wish he would modestly examine himself to see how much he is unworthy so good a lady.
2: My lord, will you walk? Dinner is ready.
1: Leonardo, Prince, and Claudio begin to exit.
2: If he do
8: not dote on her upon this, I will never trust my expectation.
5: Let there be the same that's spread for her, and that must your daughter and her gentlewoman carry. The sport will be when they hold one an opinion of another's dotage, and no such matter as the scene that I would see, which will be merely a dumb show. Let us send her to call him into dinner. Prince, Leonardo,
1: and Claudio exit.
6: This can be no trick. The conference was sadly born. They have this truth from Hero. They seem to pity the lady. It seems her affections have their full bent. Love me? Why, it must be requited. I hear how I am censured. They say I will bear myself proudly if I perceive the love come from her. They say too that she would rather die than give any sign of affection. I did never think to marry. I must not seem proud. Happy are they to hear their detractions and can put them to mending. They say the lady is fair. Tis a truth I can bear them witness and virtuous tis so. I cannot reprove it and wise but for loving me by my troth, it is no addition to to her wit nor no great argument of her folly for i will be horribly in love with her i may chance have some odd quirks and remnants of wit broken on me because i have railed so long against marriage but doth not be the appetite alter a man loves the meat in his youth that he cannot endure in his age shall quips and sentences And these paper bullets of the brain awe a man from the career of his humor. No, the world must be peopled. When I say I would die a bachelor, I did not think I should live till I were married. Here comes Beatrice. By this day she is a fair lady. I do spy some marks of love in her.
3: Enter Beatrice. Against my will, I'm sent to bid you come into dinner.
6: Fair Beatrice, I thank you for your pains.
3: I took no more pains for those thanks than you take pains to thank me. If it had been painful, I would not have come.
6: You take pleasure in the message?
3: Yea, just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a doll with all. You have no stomach, senor. Fare you well. She exits.
6: Ha! Against my will I am sent to bid you come to dinner. There is double meaning in that. I took no more pains for those thanks than you take- took pains to thank me. That's as much to say any pains that I take for you is as easy as thanks. If I do not take pity on her, I am a villain. If I do not love her, I am a Jew. I will go get her picture.
1: He exits.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the UTSC Drama Society Summer Reading Series. Thank you again to all of our fantastic readers, and don't forget to check out our Instagram to vote on which show you'd like to see us produce for the beginning of the season. Catch you next time!